Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Audit etiquette. Oh my gosh. Who looks forward to audits? I know. Nobody does. Well, actually... One person I know actually probably does look forward to audits, and that person is Taylor Brown, one of the medical device gurus at Greenlight Guru, and she's a certified ISO auditor, and she's been on the giving and receiving end of audits, and she was kind enough to sit down and chat with me for a few moments today to share some tips on audit etiquette. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. You know, I, I realize I probably say that on about every episode, so I, I guess every episode's exciting. But anyway, this is your uh, host and founder of Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And today, we've invited one of our gurus back for, I guess, a part two podcast, uh, part two of many more to come, I'm sure. So welcome, Taylor Brown, medical device guru at Greenlight Guru, back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. I, I reached out to you the other day and said, hey, do you want, do you want to do this again? Because I had a good time. I think you had a good time the last time we spoke. And you're like, hell <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I was like, all right, what do you want to talk about? And not really a shocker to me, but you're like, let's talk about audit etiquette. So are you ready to dive in? I'm always ready to dive in. This was my, when I was in med device distribution, this is, was always my favorite presentation to give. And I'll you know, have some fun talking about it with you, I'm sure. I know you have a not necessarily a unique vantage point, but certainly the vantage point of of being a certified auditor. So I, I guess tell folks what it means to be a certified auditor. Yeah, so I have a very expensive piece of paper <laughs> that says I attended lead auditor training for ISO thirteen four eighty five. Uh, it was actually a really good experience, and and that's just because I'm an audit nerd. But we, you know, I attended a class that talked about how to create audit plans and audit schedules and how to ask the audit questions, which made me appreciate being on the other side of things more and being able to articulate and answer the questions to the ISO auditors, FDA auditors, supplier audits that I sat through. So I, I think I'm intimately familiar with ISO yeah. 13485 and, and how to answer the questions <clears throat> while in the hot seat, of course. And I'll talk more about what that means to to Greenlight customers here in a little bit. I, I know you, how many estimate. I don't know if you know the exact number. Although knowing you, you actually might. How many uh, audits have you performed as an auditor? Performed probably twenty thirty. Okay, and also an estimate. How many times have you been on the other side? Have you been? How many times have you been the the auditee, <laughs> the person going through the audit? I feel like more than 20 and 30, it's probably more exhausting <laughs> to be the oddity um, in some cases. But, but we did, uh, in my old job, we did you know, end device distribution. So suppliers would want to come work with us. And the first checkbox activity to make sure that we were someone that they wanted to work with was to sit through an audit. So prospective clients that we would able be able to support... Um, you know, return annual audits with the manufacturers who wanted to use our distribution services. I was typically in the hot seat for those. All right. 
I've been in a hot seat, and I'm sure we'll talk about that during this audit etiquette conversation. And and I guess to kind of frame the conversation a little bit, the things that we're talking about today, uh, I suspect will be applicable primarily from the auditee point of view. Is is that a fair fair assumption? Yep, I, I think that's a good assumption. It's it's easy when you're in the hot seat to kind of have your brain go blank and forget everything that you've ever done, and uh, it's kind of emotional being in the hot seat as well. So that's why I figured we could talk about the oddity perspective today. And it could be an oddity from a supplier, from an external, from an internal perspective. So any, I'm guessing as we talk through this, that that all of these tips and pointers and perspectives and etiquette uh, will be uh, applicable in all those situations. So, all right. So I, I guess maybe a good place to start is, I mean, I have an idea of what audit etiquette means, but I'm sure you have a, a definition or maybe a few words that you would use to describe audit etiquette. So, you know, a good place to start would be kind of get everybody on the same frame of mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think audit etiquette, again, you know, you hear FGA walks in, what do you do? You know, your ISO audit, it's really expensive, a lot's riding on it. So what it comes down to is just controlling what you can and one of the main things that you should be able to control is just your presence and perhaps your team's presence within the audit, how they answer questions, how they demonstrate records to the auditor. Um, it's definitely not a free-for-all. <laughs> like It's not, you know, look everything that I've done over the past year. It's a very controlled, um, evidence-based process going through an audit. So controlling and preparing what you can uh, ahead of time to make that audit go as smooth as possible is how I would define audit etiquette. Uh, okay. So um, yeah, let's talk about that scenario. And like, I guess, you know, kind of frame the, the context for folks. Let's imagine that, that we're in this, uh, we got notice that FDA investigation is, is starting tomorrow. You know, start, start the, the thought process. What should I be thinking about or preparing for? What should my etiquette be knowing that this event is mm-hmm. upon us? Yeah, and, and it may be wishful thinking, but hopefully you've done some preparation ahead of time. You think about you know every record that you create within your QMS, every procedure that you write is really preparation for an audit. I don't know if anyone does it, certainly not me, surprisingly. I don't create procedures for fun. I mean, maybe I do, but you have these procedures in place for a reason. So when you have the audit, it really shouldn't be that different from a day-to-day perspective because you're just showing the auditor you know, everything you've been doing, right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, again, it is evidence-based. So I don't think the first thing that goes through your mind would be panic, but for a lot of people, that is the case because they feel like they are going to be in trouble and uh, who knows what they'll look at. You should actually have a pretty good idea of what the auditor is going to look at before they even walk in the building. I mean, if it's a for-cause audit with the FDA, probably a good uh, assumption that they're going to look at recall notices. And certainly your capitalist is going to come up. But a lot of times with notified body auditors, internal auditors, supplier auditors, they will send you a plan ahead of time. So use that plan to come up with your game plan and to think of the records and procedures that auditor is going to want to see. There's something that you said that that triggered a pet peeve of mine, um, and let me elaborate. 
I remember many times in my past where, or we knew that the ISO audit was coming up next week, or we got a phone call and FDA was coming to do an investigation or, or whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden the, the behavior of people and the company changed. It changed because we're like, oh crap, now we got, we got this, this audit coming up and we got to make sure we're doing this and you know go through all the files and remove all the sticky notes and we got to do this thing and and everybody needs to go in and update their kappas and blah 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 all this behavior they're like whoa time out isn't this what we're supposed to be doing anyway why are we suddenly behaving differently because you know now we know this this thing is about to happen and that's just been a pet peeve of mine right right and i think that's a good point too i mean you should act like every day, the auditor could walk through the doors because they very well could. Um, and going through, especially if you know the audit's coming ahead of time, yes, you should be checking your Kappa records to make sure everything's buttoned up. You should be making sure your internal audit schedule has been completed and is up to date. But by preparing, you're also getting yourself mentally ready for the red flags that you may know that they exist. So if you haven't done your management review this year and, and you know you're overdue, just go ahead and maybe open up a kappa for that ahead of time. So you're still going to get in trouble with the auditor, but at least you are aware of the issue um, and aren't caught you know, red-handed and, and you know, have to come up with some elaborate story to the auditor as to why yeah. you didn't know. So just call yourself out on it before the auditor does, and hopefully that will lessen the blow just a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, back to the pet peeve, um, you know, there were a lot of really bad practices, you know, like uh, all of a sudden there was like this sudden interest in signing off change orders or, you know, kappas or finalizing complaints. And, and, uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how many records were finalized in the day before the audit. And it's just like, come on, people, the auditor is not <laughs> stupid, right? I mean, you're a trained right. auditor. Wouldn't you pick up on that? Like, hmm, mysteriously, all these things have a date that was yesterday. <laughs> you guys must work fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and there's something I read a while ago, but it was stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So why don't you always keep your capital list up to date? Like maybe there's something systemic there we can unpack. Um, and yeah, any smart auditor is going to say, you guys did this yesterday. Um, so tell me why you're not holding yourselves accountable all the time. So yeah. they'll, they'll call your bluff pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's a there's a, a, a tip or two in, in that exchange that we just had. Um, one tip that I'm picking up on is, you know, this should be a way of life, folks. Um, live. I know maybe it sounds a little cliche, but your quality management system should be the way you live and operate as a business in the medical device industry. You shouldn't be doing something different just to prepare for an audit. Now, here's the other tip that Taylor's offering. It is a good idea to do your a little bit of homework. You know, this audit's coming up. It's a good time to do kind of a check on things. Another tip that I can think of is don't feel compelled or, or suddenly rushed to close a bunch of things out and think that that's going to show good favor with the auditor. It actually might do the opposite effect. Any other tips that you can think of from, from the exchange that we just had? I think I said it, but you know, look at the audit plan. And you know, obviously, if they're going to look at your preventative maintenance list, take a look at that yourself. Check your work before 
the auditors looking at it. And I think also what we're really getting at here is a good internal audit program is really yeah. a healthy sign of a QMS. And it's one thing if you know I'm auditing you internally and I find a big issue. Now we have the luxury of fixing it before our notified body or the FDA finds it. So I'm having a good, healthy internal audit program that you're not afraid to find internal findings. And that is actually a good sign that you are you know, following what the QMS has intended with the internal audit program. Yeah, I, I want to dispel a, a myth about internal audits here in a moment. The other example that you mentioned is the specific case of, oh, we didn't do a management review and our procedure said we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and issue a CAPA. I, I think that's a really good good practice too. If If in your preparation for this ISO audit or FDA inspection, you find things that are that are going to be gotchas. It is a good move uh, to go ahead and issue a kappa in advance of that audit. I mean, I personally have seen, and and you, you don't hide it, you know. So during the audit, I mean, you lean into it almost. Say, oh yeah, we were doing some preparation. We found you know that this didn't happen or that thing should have uh, occurred, and, and so on and so forth. And we've gone ahead and issued ourselves a kappa. I've seen that save uh, observations in an audit, uh, the fact that a company actually issued their own CAPA. Right, right. It's still, it's still going to be a conversation you're going oh, to yeah. have with the auditor. They're not going to say, oh, good job. You didn't do your management review for three years, but you opened a CAPA. Great job. They may ask you, you know, what sort of investigation have you done for that CAPA? What have you determined to be the root cause? So then it's be a study of your CAPA program. Right. Maybe not so much your management review. And you, yeah, exactly, leaned into it and said, look at the health of our CAPA program. We caught this issue. We recognize it. And now we're fixing it. Right. And f- folks know this, that any external audit you're going to have, I-, I think I can say this with 100% certainty, they're going to look at your CAPA system. There's... A quote, and I think it comes from a guidance document. I'm certainly going to be paraphrasing it. Something to the effect of the health of your CAPA system is a direct reflection of the health of your quality management system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. We had uh, my previous position, we had an FDA. It was announced, fortunately, but we had a five day FDA audit. The gentleman sat down on Monday morning. We handed him a list of our CAPAs for, I think it was the past two years. And he went through and he, every morning he would, you know, highlight a few on that list and we would pull those records and that's all he looked at for five days. And it's really true with the health of the CAPA system, you're seeing insights into how we perform and recognize issues in the design process and how we recognize issues in the supplier process, how we're preventing, um, you know, issues with calibration and preventative maintenance uh, come through. So it really is the door uh, to all QMS activities, or at least it should yeah. be. <laughs> and you know, we can go on and on about CAP, and maybe that's a, a future episode that we can dive into that. But kind of getting back to audit etiquette, you said something about internal audits that also triggered a, a thought. And mm-hmm. or, and I'll, I'll lead with the myth first. An external auditor cannot look at your internal audits. Is that true or false? That is false. They can 100% look at your internal audits. And, and I think part of the, the reason that myth is pervasive is technically speaking, there are certain things, certain activities, certain records that are technically not in the purview of an FDA investigator. And your internal audit results are technically not in the purview of a FDA investigator. And the 
thinking behind that, or my understanding of the thinking behind that is, you know, that the, that's kind of where the dirty laundry is. And, you know, you, you don't have to show FDA your dirty laundry. The same, by the same token, something like a management review, the, the actual minutes of the management review are also technically not in the purview of an FDA investigation. However, you need to demonstrate that you're conducting those. But where this gets confusing to folks is that's not the case in an ISO situation. An ISO auditor can see that. And they right. will look at that. Exactly. I, I know that was something that we had to coach on. You know, what's the difference between an FDA and notified body audit? What can and they cannot look at? Not that any, well, I hope no auditor would suggest that they can look at something they didn't have, you know, the ability and, and tools to look at, such as FDA wanting to look at management review minutes. So we talked about ways, you know, just give them the cover page with a list of attendees and right. dates and uh, the agenda, yeah, the agenda, right, right. So then you do have proof. Hey, look, we did it. We can't show you exactly what we talked about, but here's record that you know something occurred. Yeah, and and I think people get paranoid about things like this, especially in an audit situation, because let's be real. If you uncovered something in an internal audit that manifested its way into a kappa technically speaking they're going to look at your kappa they're going to see what you found in your internal audit right so you know uh, right. but i i don't think people should be freaking out about this do you have any any thoughts about that i think going with the notion that you have nothing to hide which i know is really hard to tell yourself when you have a chunk of change and a lot of people and, and time invested in, into this audit but i guess don't be afraid to get a finding is maybe a good way to boil that down. John, yeah. you and I have talked about it before. We've been we've both been in audits where you know the auditor pulls up something and, and they start looking at it and you know their eyebrows raise a little bit and you're like, oh goodness, <laughs> thank God they found that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been trying to get traction on that issue for a long time. Yeah. Um, but in the inverse, just don't be afraid. I mean, audits are it's it's hard to say this with a straight face, but audits are a way to make your company better and to make your QMS stronger, your product ultimately safer. Um, so yeah. an audit finding is not the end of the world. Yes, it does mean more time, more you know, people investing into a project or a process, but at the end of the day, it will help you be a better company. Yeah. And you know, I, I realize that I, I might live in a world of uh, altruism and puppies and unicorns and rainbows sometimes. And I do believe this at the same time, that if we as an industry, we as medical device companies actually embrace the intention behind what a quality management system is intended to do for your business, then you know, this is a well-oiled machine. And, and I, I know that's a hard thing to say because, for, frankly, for decades, uh, I think a lot of folks, their, their point of view on a quality management system has been more of a something I have to do from a compliance perspective. But I think there's a different way to look at that. And this is part of what we're trying to, to do within Greenlight is get people to realize that you, know, you, you shouldn't be working for your quality management system. It should be working for you. Do you have any like, oh, I, um, as I say, do you have any thoughts or tips or pointers on things that people can do? Because this will make your auditing life easier on either side of the the equation. Okay, the, but you know, don't sign yourself up for something you can't commit to. <laughs> uh, and that's a that's a good 
thing to look at in internal audits as well. I, I know internal audits are talking about, are you meeting, are your processes meeting the requirements of 13485, for example, make sure they're not over exceeding as well. Um, and if there is a, a finding related to you know a, a requirement, your own process that you went above and beyond for and just weren't meeting, it's probably a good time to change that process and, and revisit the regulation and say at a minimum, what it is, what do we need to be doing and how can we adapt our procedures to meet that yeah. goal? Yeah. All right. So let's get back to being that auditee sitting across from, from the scary ISO auditor or <laughs> an FDA uh, investigator or Taylor Brown. It's, it feels like you know they're interrogating me and probing and just relentless. How should I behave in that situation? Because sometimes I'm like, oh, like, gosh, I want to defend this. I want to argue this. Yeah. I, I feel like they're, they're missing the point or they're, they're going down a rabbit hole and, and it's totally wrong. How should I react or, or behave in those situations? Yeah, audits are really emotional. Like you're tired. It's, it's you know, kind of like an artist having their work critiqued. Like you put your blood, sweat, and tears into this Kappa procedure, and now the auditor's just ripping it apart. Uh, the hardest thing to do in an audit is just sit in silence. That is the hardest thing to do. Uh, never argue, never complain about a process, never complain about your coworkers in front of the auditor. Not that anyone would ever do that, but uh, my goal in an audit was just to talk as little as possible. And unless the auditor was fully misunderstanding something um, or said something that was untrue or something that I could back up or explain in a better way. I was just sitting there and I was along for the ride. Yeah. And and that silence can be, to your point, very awkward. And I I mean, I guess you can confirm or, or deny this, but I think it's an auditor tactic in some cases if they're quiet, not asking questions, I think as humans, sometimes we are uncomfortable when there's too much silence that people will start spilling their guts. Is that truly an auditor tactic or is that, a, is that also a myth? I have reason to believe it is an auditor tactic. <laughs> I have seen it be successful for auditors and I've experienced it myself. And you're, you're exactly right. It's human nature. If I'm sitting in uncomfortable silence with a stranger, more or less, I want to fill that silence. And I also want to brag about how great my company is. And you know, if they're looking at my list of Kappas, I can say, oh, well, you know, we're at a 30-day closure rate. Last time or, or last year, we were at you know, a 120-day closure rate. Well, as soon as I say that, what is wah, wah, wah. the auditor thinking? Oh, I'm yeah, gonna let's prove talk you about wrong. what's yeah. changed in your Kappa process. <laughs> or yeah, I'm going to exactly, find the example exactly. to prove you wrong. Yeah. Or why was it taking you so long the first time? Are you not opening enough Kappas this year? Yeah. So there's just wormholes that we can go down. And there's always the cliche of just pulling the thread and the thread keeps pulling. And then all of a sudden you have just yarn on the the table and and you don't even know what happened to your QMS. Yeah. But I think that's a key point to, to highlight too is, you know, when you speak whether it's because you're answering a question or you feel the need to fill the silence, be prepared to support any and everything that you say with documented evidence. Right. And I think that's why I was so afraid to talk during an audit is because I only 
they wanted to claim something, if I could read it from a procedure in front of me, or I wanted to, you know, I wanted to talk about how great our uh, calibration schedule was. But unless I had that calibration schedule in front of me saying that everything was up to date, I'm not going to tell the auditor. Yeah, for sure. Talk a little bit about, you know, let's, you know, we're in the the last part of an audit. And I mean, I guess let's talk about most audits are multiple days, especially from an external perspective. I typically have experienced the auditor um, at the end of each day will kind of do a, a recap, you know, good things, bad things, potential concerns and that sort of thing. What if they don't? What should you do as an auditee in those situations at the end of the day? I think even if the auditors is performing some sort of daily wrap-up, you should go into that wrap-up knowing what to expect anyway. If you have the luxury of having a, another person on the team who can act as a scribe, uh, being able to take notes and, and highlight where there may be potential findings, you should have a pretty good idea of what the auditor is going to talk about in the daily wrap-up meeting. Um, my you know, first boss I had in the in the med device industry, he always made such a um, effort to be able to not button up issues, but at least prove that we were already fixing things in between the auditor leaving day one and showing up day two. So whether it was doing some sort of emergency training um, to say, "All right, the auditor found this. Make sure you're looking at it moving forward." We're going to proceduralize something, uh, but for right now, just know that this is a, a heightened issue. Um, or opening up a kappa to say, you're exactly right. We're going to start working on this issue before you even leave for the week. Uh, you should have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in that daily meeting. How did you? Uh, how did the auditor seem to receive that? Because I have some thoughts on that, but you know, day one, you find out you know, X, Y, and Z. And now, you know, between day one and day two, you, you do this, you know, kind of emergency training and, or information session with the team and you start to, you know, maybe open that kappa. Did the auditor receive that pretty well? They received it pretty well. I mean, it didn't give us a, a pass at, you know, having a finding. We still had a finding at the end of the day, but I think it demonstrated that we had buy-in to continuous improvement and we weren't doing anything crazy. We weren't you know, writing new procedures overnight, but it just demonstrated to the auditor that we care. We hear you. We know that this is an issue. We're trying to prevent it from getting worse at this point. Yeah. So it's uh, almost like you, you even went into... you've left the building. It's almost like you went into correction mode, um, you know, off the jump, so to speak. Right. Right. Exactly. All right. I'm curious about your reaction to this. I'm, I, and I've seen this in practice too, where I'll pick a fairly benign example, but you know, there was a, a typo and a procedure and and that was noted during during the audit. And so, you know, the company said, oh, well, we can fix that. And they actually sent somebody off, made the 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 corrections and to the procedure, fixed the typos, all that sort of thing, routed a change order, had this change order signed off and, and the new um, revision of the procedure ready the next day. Uh, how do you think that typically goes? I feel like as an auditor, that would make me really question, <laughs> can you work 
that fast. Immediately, I'm going to ask, has everyone been trained to the new procedure? If I go out to the floor right now, is everyone going to be using that new procedure? Are people aware that this typo was corrected? I guess I need to re-audit everything I did yesterday with this new procedure. That feels a little frantic to me. What I would rather see is we've already made changes to the document. Document control is now going through their normal process doing a you know impact assessment on you know typos is not a great example but do these typos affect our product do we have to revalidate things right um, and it will and you know that will be part of your uh, response to the auditor that you perform this change I don't think it needs to happen overnight but it doesn't hurt to start thinking about it yeah and and I, I think that's the tip here uh, for folks is even though, things that are identified during the course of an audit may seem like they're simple and straightforward and something that you can actually, quote, fix during the audit, you don't get bonus points for that. And in fact, my experience is, is similar to Taylor's. The auditor is going to cringe at that and, and probably raise an eyebrow and, and, and could introduce a whole new line of questioning. So do not feel compelled to fix things while the audit is still going on. They don't have to be finalized. Uh, you don't get bonus points for that. Yep, exactly. And it just adds unnecessary stress to you because you could also be preparing for the next day of auditing, but instead you're running this change order through the routing process and trying to get everything yeah. you know, finalized for that one really, really minor issue in your example of when you could have been preparing for the next day, maybe pulling some records ahead of time, uh, which is probably one of my favorite uh, audit tips is okay. sounds really obvious, but prepare records ahead of time. <laughs> you said it yourself. The auditors are going to look at your capitalist. Why not already know you know where that capitalist is? Or if your auditor wants paper records, why not print that capitalist off the morning of the audit so you have it ready to hand to them? Uh, we did National Board of Pharmacy audits at my previous position, and the agenda was always the same. They were always looking at the same topics. So the day before the audit, I would just print all my files ahead of time. I would have this table behind me that had all my records. So when the auditor would ask for something, I would slide it over, hand it to them, and they would review it. And it actually made me look really good because it proved to them that I knew what I was doing. I had nothing to hide and I'm really organized. So we got audits done in a matter of hours at some point. That's awesome. And I guess to kind of wrap up our conversation on audit etiquette today, in the spirit of audit etiquette, let's connect the dots to the Greenlight Medical Device Quality Management System and, and how this really helps in in that audit situation. So I know you have a lot of firsthand experience working with a ton of customers who are going through audits. Maybe share some anecdotes from those customer interactions or your own experience with the Greenlight system and and how that can help a company uh, in an audit situation. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really helped over the past few months is being able to be audit ready wherever you are. You know, on a paper system, there's file cabinets that you have to go to and pull out records. Within Greenlight, a lot of our companies that we support have been able to keep their audit dates uh, over this quarantine time. And with travel restrictions, it's become really valuable. I was supporting a... I think it was the same company we talked about last time, but New Zealand, they had their uh, notified body audit. The auditor was in Australia. This company's in New Zealand and they just passed back records all day. 
by downloading and, and sending them through email. So they were able yeah. to keep their audit date without ever having to print out a paper record. That's awesome. And I've heard stories too of customers in a when we're in, under quote normal uh, working circumstances and the audit is on site that uh, Greenlight really helps facilitate the audit process in a big way too. Um, yeah. Any stories to share there? There was, you know, one company I was working with in California and they had, I think it was just their surveillance audit. They finished it in three and a half days because they just presented Greenlight on the conference room screen and the auditor kind of got to say, you know, oh, click there. What's that work instruction there? What's that record? The auditor actually left um, handing this company their report. Uh, on the end of day five. So that's amazing. Editor left already having the report written, which is almost unheard of. Um, And then the company, yeah, the company got to go ahead and start working on the corrective actions, you know, that day. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard a couple other similar stories from customers that they're able to do paperless audits uh, by using the green light system in similar um, situations, as you described, putting green light up on the screen and auditor asks, Hey, let me see your capitalist. Well, pretty easy in green light. I just go to the, to the Kappa workflow and right there, I, I've got my list of Kappas and I can, if I need to, if I have to generate a hard copy, pretty easy. I can print that. And, and, and if the auditor says, I want to see Kappa one, Kappa 12, Kappa 28, you know, I can click and get right into those workflows very easily too. So it, it is making lives easier from an audit perspective. I think it also just shows that you are in control of the system. The system doesn't yes. you know, control you. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's, it's like, what Kappas do you want to see? I have nothing to hide. Uh, and you can drill down from there using a lot of our auto-generated records and, and dashboards that we have. Yeah. This has been great. Um, as we wrap up, is there any like key tips or pointers that we haven't covered that you think is are very, very important for listeners to understand about audit etiquette? Um, I think, you know, stay with the auditor, especially on production floor tours, you know, don't let them wander. It's pretty easy to do that if we're having a remote audit, though. Um, Practice ahead of time, especially if you're doing a remote audit, have a backup plan. If Zoom doesn't work, what's our next best option? If your Wi-Fi doesn't work, what, what are you opening up a hotspot with? Yeah. My favorite tip, though, is order lunch ahead of time because the last thing you want to do if you have an auditor on site is to have a hungry auditor or have a hungry auditee. <laughs> so make plans as soon as the auditor walks in uh, to order a lunch in the morning and, and then and you'll be set up for the rest of the day. That, that is a pro tip right there. And, and uh, to, to add to that pro tip, have plenty of options. You know, some people don't eat meat. Some people have, you know, nut allergies and that sort of thing. So make sure you're thoughtful from that perspective. And again, I don't think it gets you bonus points, but taking care of that, that minor logistical item on the front end uh, will we'll make that way it doesn't interrupt the flow and you know nothing's worse than it being 1245 and like oh crap we haven't thought about lunch yet we better bring in menus and then you know an hour and a half later the food comes when people are hangry it's not going to be good so that's a really good tip it's real life hangry yeah no no yeah. quicker way to a finding than skipping lunch <laughs> <laughs> hangry auditor well taylor i appreciate you sharing uh, your perspectives and experience on on the topic of audit etiquette 
we'll do something else here soon. So put your thinking cap on and we'll find another topic to dive in. Folks, uh, as always, you know, we're here to help. Um, Taylor and I shared a, a couple of anecdotes on how the Greenlight Guru medical device quality management system can certainly be an asset for you in audit situations. I want you to think about it, though, more than just the audit situation, everyday management of your business. This is what we're here for. We eat, breathe, sleep, you know, all the things that you can possibly do, med device. This is our, our, this is our jam. So if you'd like to learn more about how Greenlight Guru can help you, I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru. Learn everything about the medical device quality management system designed only for the medical device industry by medical device gurus like Taylor, like me. So uh, again, go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more. As always, I appreciate you being a listener of the Global Medical Device Podcast, the number one podcast in the medical device industry. Continue to share this with your friends and colleagues and uh, look forward to hearing or having you join us the next time on the Global Medical Device Podcast.